Take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 302. 302. As we prepare to sing this song, Take the world but give me Jesus, I'd like to read for you the scripture we're going to meditate on this afternoon. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Number 302. We'll sing the third without the instruments. Again, Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. 
as you know, my grandma went to heaven a week ago about this time. And the news came as I was standing right here. Not that she had passed, but I knew that she was passing. And this verse was one of her starred verses in her Bible. Some of you were at the funeral yesterday when I shared about some of these details. But I'd like for us to take some time this, this afternoon as we gather around the communion table. When we partake of the broken bread and we partake of the juice, remembering his broken body and his shed blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we are given and we read of, of that night when Jesus instituted this, um, each time that we observe communion, we read that Jesus says at the end there, where it's the admonition is given, for as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And when we turn to the very last verse of our New Testament, we read a prayer, even so come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And you know, with each passing year, there are more and more precious people in heaven. Precious people to me, and I imagine to many of you. Let us day by day keep before our eyes, and especially in times when we observe communion, when we specifically set time aside to meditate upon what Christ has done and to meditate upon his coming again, to ask this question, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My grandma had marked this verse, and it had a real profound meaning to me. You know why? Because in heaven is where my grandpa's been now for almost four years. And for over 35 years, I got to see these two people love each other. I got to see an overwhelming desire they had for one another. It was beautiful. Before he went to heaven, they'd been married almost 69 years, just, just about a month shy of 69 years. They loved each other. And I remember I, helping Grandma over these last four years and how many times she would sit there and tears would well up in her eyes and she'd say, I miss Chuck. She used to have a little pile on her desk. You know what it was called? The show Chuck Pile. Any of you wives have one of those? I highly recommend it. It was actually really great. Anything in, in, in her day that she found interesting, whether it was in the newspaper, you know, they didn't, they, 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 believe me, Grandma didn't know how the internet worked. But, you know, any, anything that she found that she read in one of her devotionals or in different places, she had this little pile on her desk that was the show to Chuck pile. And um, <laughs> there were some funny things in that pile. 
she'd, she'd take newspaper clippings and she'd put them in there. She had a ton of articles about Alzheimer's. Um, she never had Alzheimer's. He didn't have Alzheimer's, but they sure, she sure was scared of Alzheimer's, that's for sure. And um, she had a bunch of things in the show to Chuck pile, um, things about Alzheimer's. But you know what was also interesting? She, she used to get so many devotional books. You know, we have these little um, daily breads and days of praise and Baptist bread that gets set out back here. You know, my grandma picked up all of them. You know, she had all of them, and that wasn't it. She, she would go between um, every day, and she would read, I, I, I don't know how many it seemed. I, last I checked on her, on her little table where she kept them and where she used them, and they were all, you know, she, I don't have a book up here to do it with. Um, you know, maybe like this. You'd take them, you know, you'd open them up like a book, and she'd take to the new page, and she'd turn it, and this is the way it would be, that little booklet there, all set. And every one of them were from the last day, the day before or that day, because she'd read all of them. And um, you know what was amazing is how many times I'd go through her show to Chuck Pyle, and um, she had taken a page from a little daily bread or a days of praise or moments with Jesus or one of the other devotionals she had. She'd ripped a page out and put it in the show to Chuck Pyle. She wanted to show it to Chuck. About three weeks after he died, I showed up at her house, and she was sitting there at her dining room table, and she had, her, she had her head down on the table, and she was crying. I came, I didn't know what was going on. I just showed up, came through the front door, just put my hand on her shoulder, and she just crying, crying, crying. And I said, after a while, I says, Grandma, what's wrong? She goes... I keep finding stuff I need to put in the show to Chuck pile. I keep putting stuff in his pile. So she says, can you go through my pile? Can you go through the Chuck pile today? You see, and I went through it, and after that day of going through that pile, I told Grandma, you keep on putting stuff in the show to Chuck pile, and I'll read it. I didn't read the Alzheimer's stuff. I told her after a while I'm not reading any more Alzheimer's stuff, so she put it in a different pile for mom to read. <laughs> but you know what was so precious about the show to Chuck pile? I got in on that. <laughs> I couldn't replace Chuck. But I, in this one little way, could be there. You know what I got in on? Is how much she loved Jesus and how much she wanted to share what she was learning about Jesus with the person she loved second most, Chuck. And so when I found her Bible and I saw her put a big old star next to this verse here, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. I thought of her show to Chuck pile and how that pile reflected that her first love was in glory and Chuck was her second love. And now he's in glory too. And now they're all together. I often wondered if God didn't scan the show to Chuck pile and pass it on. Um, you know, I don't know. There's a, it's, it's, I got lots of questions like that I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. Because, um, you know, that's some special stuff. 
She had a lot of things to show to Chuck. Whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My grandma's favorite song was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You know the story to that song? How many of you know the story to that song? Some of you. Oh my, i got to ruin some of your days. But I maybe shouldn't do it by myself. Uh, who here knows the library upstairs? Nathaniel, could you run and get me that? I didn't realize. You, really? None of you know the story to uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Nate, could you give me a hymn history out of the library, please? 99% sure there's one up there. We're going to come back to that. But I'll continue on here. Whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee? You know, we just sang the song, Take the world, but give me Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm convicted. Do I really believe what I was just singing? Do I? You know how many things in this world I keep holding on to? I just won't let go in my heart, my own besetting sins, those things I want. Do I really believe? Do I really mean take the world but give me Jesus? Brothers and sisters, we need to mean it. And when we do, and when we do, let, let Jesus be our all in all. He will show himself true. He will show himself faithful. And he will show that he is the only one whom we need desire. The only one in whom we can put our hope. I think it's a good question to ask. Whom have I in heaven but thee? Now you might say, well, that one's kind of a hard question to ask because of course there are those in heaven I desire, those loved ones in heaven besides Jesus. And I'm not telling you not to forget them, not to stop looking forward to seeing them. Please do, please do, please do, please do. But all of the human relationships that we have fade in comparison to a relationship that we can and should have with Jesus, who should be our desire and our best friend. And when we look around upon those on earth and the things upon earth, who do we desire but God? The psalm continues, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have, my put, I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Are you far from God? Those whom he doesn't know will perish. When we gather around the Lord's tables for Christians, I know many of you are Christians. That's why you're here. But if you're not a Christian today, don't partake of this table. 
Only those who know Jesus and whom Jesus knows. If Jesus is yours and you are his, join us at this time. But if not, be warned. They that are far from him shall perish. It's as if you go are going a whoring, like one who is married, the precious relationship, but yet not that, going and committing adultery. God longs for that perfect, wonderful relationship with us. That's why marriage is that picture of Christ in the church. That's why it's so important and why it's so sacred. But how often do mankind go a-whoring away from him? The psalmist here, and I pray that each of us will say what's verse 28. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. That's what's precious there. That last phrase there is, I declare all thy works. You know, when he is our desire, Jesus, when he's the one whom we're focused on, we're going to be faithful talking about him, declaring him. That's what was so real to be into the glimpse, the little glimpse into my grandma's life of her who loved him is that she was there about declaring him. That's really much the majority of what her show to Chuck Pyle was all about, of declaring God's works to her husband. So can I present something to you? As husbands and wives, um, you know, you can, you can create a show to Dan Pyle and include those truths. And, and I'm not just picking on them over here, but all of us. Can, can we create those, show our spouse, show our kids, show our neighbors? Who, 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 who are we looking and looking, looking to show Christ to? We need to be intentional about it. We've gotten so smart with this digital age, right? Right? Nobody agrees with me? Oh my, we all got smartphones, which makes our heads dumber. There's science about that, but we won't debate it. So important it is for us when we actually live in such an incredible sharing time. This past week, I've had an overflowing of text messages and kindness messages shared with me that I can't keep up with them. I'm sorry. It's on my list on Tuesday because I'm not going to get to it till Tuesday um, to actually go through all my text messages and, and, and express gratitude to all of the, the messages of kindness sent to me over the past week. But do you know how many times in all of that I've seen and experienced where there's a sharing of, of the declaring of God's work? Let's start doing that. We use our devices to share basics information, like I'm on my way, I've left, all these fun things. Let's, let's share randomly, just as random or just as intentional, declare all the works of God. And I'll tell you, it's going to happen the more that you love Jesus and the more that he is your desire, the more and more you'll be talking about him. And so if we're not talking about him, it might be because he's not our delight. And that should be a warning to us. It should be an alert to us. Are we desiring him? 
every single day. To love him, to know him more. I haven't seen Nathaniel reappear, so I don't know if he's got that copy of L. Smith's Hymn History. I'm curious of you all here. How many of you actually have a hymn history book in your home library? Okay, good, good. Well, I'm going to ruin the story unless you found a copy somewhere online or something. Oh, you've got a. Well, then let's do that. It's an intriguing story. What a friend we have in Jesus. I believe that's number 317. Am I correct? Yes, turn over there to 317. Grandma didn't know this when this was her favorite song. She developed this as a favorite song as far as I've heard the story way back when she was a new, young, new Christian as a young mother. And um, it's a song really about prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. My grandma's middle name was Macaulay. You know what ethnicity that is? Irish. She loved the fact that she was Irish. So she was really excited, and I don't think she learned this until more recently, that What a Friend We Have in Jesus was actually written by an Irishman. And it has a special meaning, and the story you're going to hear, if this gets connected up, is of Joseph Skirvin and how he wrote this song. Man fervently desired to be like his father, an Irishman who had served as an officer in the Royal Marines. At 18 years of age, this martially-minded son enrolled in a strict military academy. He was determined to follow in his father's footsteps, but poor health compelled his superiors to dismiss him. Thus his cherished hopes were dashed. Soon, new ambitions began to form when the young man grew to deeply love the lady of his dreams. The young woman developed an equally strong love for him, and they both excitedly planned for marriage. On the evening before their wedding, however, tragedy struck, and the bride accidentally drowned. The young man's grief was almost overwhelming as the anticipated day of joy became a day of mourning. It was difficult for him to overcome the shock of his dear love's death, but eventually he was able to redirect his love to the needy people in Canada. Moving from his home in Ireland, this lone immigrant applied for a teaching position and used his resources to serve the poor. One day, God rewarded his service with the friendship of a Christian young lady, 
he soon grew to love her. It was as if God had erased the sorrow of his past loss with a happy, vibrant new friend who had become such a part of his life. Once again, a wedding date was set, and he looked forward to it with great excitement. But again, tragedy hit. His bride-to-be became ill, and before the wedding, died. Grief-stricken, the young man worked through his sorrow and continued to serve others. One of those he served was his own mother back in Ireland. She faced loneliness and disappointments in her life, and her son, because of his own great suffering, understood how she felt. One day, he decided to give his mother a special gift. It would be a gift from the depths of his heart. The young man sat down and began to compose words of comfort and reassurance. Even as he wrote, the words began to encourage his own spirit. When the note was finished, he placed it in an envelope and mailed it to his mother. As the woman read the testimony of her son, she felt so encouraged that she copied down the text and shared it with her friends. Her friends did the same thing, and the words were eventually directed into the hands of Charles C. Converse. Mr. Converse was so impressed with the words that he put the poem to music, and it has become one of the most familiar hymns of our day. For a long time, no one knew who wrote the words, because the author's name was not copied with the poem as it was passed from hand to hand. One day, when the young man who had experienced the death of his two fiancées fell ill himself, a friend came to his home to care for him. There in a drawer, he found the original manuscript of the poem and confirmed that the ailing man had written it. Only then did the world discover that it was Joseph Scriven who had written the beloved song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So as we gather around the communion table, will we have a passion for Jesus? Whom have I in heaven but thee, dear Jesus? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Jesus promised, surely, I come quickly. We observe communion looking forward to our blessed hope when our desire, the desire of our hearts, the Lord Jesus, comes again. And so we pray, even so come, Lord Jesus. Would you take your hymnals and could we sing here what a friend we have in Jesus, number 317.